Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. We host a show called High Spirits, in which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. Ghost stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Now, on this show, we are sponsored by alcohol companies. Um, Noelle, who are you drinking? Well, um... It is my distinct responsibility to point out the fact that we are actually not sponsored by alcohol companies, but we drink them and we like to promote them and we someday hope to be sponsored by them. That's correct. Oh, and I am also drinking Matchbook. It's a Syrah. Matchbook. Light your red wine up. What? (laughs) I don't know. By the way, still no voice. Ah, yes, that's right. Noelle is uh, laryngitis. Laryngitis. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm finally happy to be the person on the show who is not sick. <laughs> <laughs> it lasted a very long time, guys. Um, uh, I am drinking Gone Away. It's a half acre beer. It's uh, one of my faves. So, uh, Chin Chin uh, Gone Away. <laughs> ah, nice. Chin Chin. That's from China? No. Oh. I think it's from Eastern Europe. I know that. I'm oh. just like, I don't know. My voice is, <laughs> my, my lack of voice has gone to my brain and everything's missing. Um, how are things? Things are good. Uh, um, things have been crazy busy. Mm-hmm. and um, You're very popular. You're in high demand. I am in high demand, yeah. Um, I don't know if that means I'm popular. It means maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, you're I do. super popular. Hmm. Yeah. And how about yourself? You're super popular. I'm not. I feel like uh, you've sucked all the popularity out of me, um, and I appreciate <laughs> being at home a lot these days. Yeah, right. You just got back from a trip, <laughs> you asshole. I did, but it was for work. Yeah, like mine aren't. Um, they are. I, that's true. No, I'm also busy, but it's. Uh, but I'm. I'm finding a healthy balance in life. Oh. Oh, healthy balance. Balance. That's what I. Balance. That's what I keep telling myself. Um, have you seen any good movies? Uh, uh oh, I saw Aquaman in the theater. Oh. In the theater. Um, that's a fun movie. Okay. With the uh, Jason Momoa. Okay. He's cute and fun. Yeah, he's gorge. He's super gorge. Married to the Lisa Bonet. Is he married to the Lisa Bonet? He sure is. Oh my gosh, she is killing it. She's killing it. She's a. Yeah, they've got that May-December thing going on, and it's very yeah, cute. she gets all that hot piece. My mom, who's really um, in tune with all of the celebrity gossip, uh, I don't know why, but she's really into it. Um, she, um, she was telling me how, apparently, Jason Momoa, as a child, was watching the Cosby show with his mother as a child. He was a child. And Lisa Bonet came on the screen and he said, I want her. Whoa. And now they're married. That's creepathon. It's creepy yet kind of cute. Yeah, I think when men say that, it comes off as cute. Yeah, well, he was a boy, a little kid. No, my there was always a, a, a love story that was um, talked about in my family that my grandfather, who was an, uh, a doctor, um, saw my grandmother walk in, who was a nurse, uh-huh. and she was so beautiful, and all the men were fighting over her, and... My grandfather pointed at her and said, truly, without having ever spoken with her, pointed at her and said, that is the girl I'm going to marry. Really? And every Thanksgiving and every time my father, my grandfather gave a speech, he would tell that exact same story. <laughs> and only after a certain amount of time, I was like, that's a little presumptuous and a little weird. She could have sucked. Like, you know. Right. Or she could have thought you sucked. Yeah. But it's that, it's the kind of like that, it's that World War Two era. Yeah thing where like love was like I don't know because all these men were shipping off and going to war and they had to have their girl waiting for them and it was that thing love was in the air so it's you've heard that story it's very sweet that it actually happened with your family Um, but whatever love shmove I've also watched (laughs) been watching the show Happy uh, which is a sci-fi show that's now streaming on Netflix um, starring Christopher Maloney and Patton Oswalt. I don't want to give too much away, but I will preface it by saying it's extremely dark. It's comical because Maloney and Patton Oswalt are both very funny guys. But good God, I like dark things. Too dark for you? 
I had to, because we're, you know, it's on Netflix, so we're binging it. And um, Andrew went to put another episode on it, and I was like, can we just take a break? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> like, after three episodes, I was like, I just need to, I just need to stop this. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really good, and it's fun. It's it's gory, um, and so it's bloody, and it's it's dark, but it has some fun comical moments. So if you like that kind of stuff, if you like weirdo things like that, like me, no. watch it. I don't. Okay. Well, you. I already told you not to watch it. <laughs> you, you should did. watch the Ellen DeGeneres comedy special, which is also good. No, I've been watching Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek, great. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. You can't go wrong. Yeah. And the Eugene Levy's children are both in it, right? Yes. Those are both his kids? Not Alexis. Oh, I thought she was. No. Uh, Twyla is his other daughter. Okay. Alexis, I believe, is played by Annie Murphy. Okay. Or Annie Murray, something like that. I don't know. Um, Annie Hoosel. Well, everybody, thanks for coming to High Spirits. Um, we should, up top, just tell you how to get a hold of us. Uh, you can reach us at highspirits at gmail.com. High Spirits Chicago. At gmail. Oh, God. What did I say? You said High Spirits at. Mm. That's. Don't. My bad. We don't know those people. High Spirits. <laughs> Uh, Chicago at gmail.com you can find us on Facebook you can find us on Instagram you can find us on Twitter we're High Spirits Chic yes please find us follow us like us all the things send us a note we love getting messages (gasps) oh I should say many a moon ago I posted about uh, the sugar baby who uh, <laughs> was being haunted by her sugar daddy. Yes. Oh, yes. That's a good story. Oh, my God. What a great story. So good. So she, if you go to our uh, Facebook page, you will find this story. And I swear to God, it is the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about it is perfect. Um, she's all about the binge. And she has <laughs> none of the ability to, like, reflect. It's pretty amazing. I like her. I, I mean, I like her so much. Listen, she is a piece of trash. I want nothing but good things and hauntings for her. I want hauntings for her. What a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> she treated Brad very terribly. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, Brad it treated her very terribly, yeah. and Brad is. It was not a mutual, a nice terribly treating situation. Yes, for sure. For sure. Anywho, uh, Noelle, you got some special ghostesses happening for us this evening? I do. So I, I want to say. Um, I'm going to apologize in advance because we are going to do two kind of heavy episodes in a row, which Jay and I, so Jay and I never know what the other one's doing. So we didn't, this just kind of happened this way. So I'm sorry. Uh, we'll try to keep it light. I also want to say this might be a little triggering because it has to deal with child murder. Uh, so, uh, if that is upsetting to you, uh, do your best, but we understand if you can't listen to it. So... Um, but it's a very uh, important story to the city of Chicago because this is the story that's known for um, the end of the inno- end of innocence of Chicago on December or in December uh, 1956 while traveling from a Brighton Park movie theater to their home in McKinley Park which is uh, McKinley Park is not far from um, a Formerly Comiskey Stadium. Now, yeah. uh, well, I don't even know what it's called. It was called. the cell, and now it's something else. Yeah, it's some bank something. It's where the White Sox play. Uh, the sister sisters Barbara, age 15, and Patricia, age 12, disappeared. Barbara and Tr- Patricia Grimes. They were two of seven, seven children to Joseph and Loretta Grimes. Um, they were out to see a movie... They were uh, seeing the Elvis Presley film Love Me Tender for the 11th time. These girls were huge Elvis Presley fans. Um, your dad probably grew up not too far from McKinley Park, right? Uh, he area? did. He yeah. grew up on the north side. So he was probably... Oh, he, that's right. But he yeah. was a Sox fan. Yes. Okay. That's confusing. Um. <laughs> it is it, it, unless you want to go into like my I, whole dad's thing but like, I don't but I do, I do he was a vendor at um, I loved your dad Comiskey and uh, oh, okay uh, Wrigley Field okay and he would take the red line back and forth got it okay but uh, he was from the RP uh, got it 
So this was, but this was probably happening when he was a young man. For sure. And your mom, too. Uh, so they left their home at 7.30 p.m. that night. They promised their mother they'd be home by midnight. They never returned. So um, their disappearance launched uh, the largest missing persons case in the history of Chicago. It sparked a citywide search. Um, Cook County officers were assisted by uh, many of their colleagues from surrounding suburbs. And it, it eventually um, formed a task force that was um, joined by many local volunteers just searching for these girls all over the south side um, and going just door to door, knocking on all of the neighbors' doors through from where the movie theater was to their home in McKinley Park. They distributed, distributed 15,000 flyers. The parishioners of their church offered a thousand dollar reward for any information to their whereabouts uh three hundred thousand people were interrogated whoa which can you imagine no and this is over the course of 45 days three hundred thousand people well that that's not true i lied over the course of the uh the case three hundred thousand i'm sorry 2,000 were subjected to an actual, like, serious interrogation. So, oh. basically, we should say they interviewed 300,000, but 200 or 2,000 were more interrogated. Um, on January 22nd, 1957, a construction worker named Leonard Prescott uh, spotted... spotted um, what he called these flesh-colored things behind a guardrail as he drove along a rural county oh, road no. named German Church Road in Willow Springs, which is not, uh, it's like a, a, an unincorporated suburb. It's Willow Springs is now a little bigger, but it's like outside of the south side. Um, <clears throat> he thought that they were mannequins. Oh. And he went and got his wife, and he brought her back, and when she saw the site she fainted and it was the two girls uh, and their naked bodies um barbara's body had wounds that resembled stabs from an ice pick and um she had blunt force trauma to her face and her head patricia had numerous bruises on her face and body um following so they brought her their father out to identify the body um, and then following that, over 160 police officers from several suburban Chicago police departments and assisted by local numerous, or I'm sorry, assisted by numerous local volunteers conducted a search of the crime scene with additional assistance from the Forest Preserve. So 160 police officers, all of these volunteers and the staff of the Forest Preserve are all investigating this area. What could go wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> I just, like, I. it's just, it's, it's crazy. The search uncovered little or no real evidence linked to the crime. Um, and <clears throat> it would be obviously criticized later on because of how many people were there and how many of them were untrained. So... Off to a good start. Aside from the tragedy of all this. Now, a couple of things about, like, uh, during this time. Well, hold on. Let me go back a little bit. Um, there was some speculation while the girls were missing that they had run away, that maybe they had taken up with some boyfriends. Um, they were huge Elvis Presley fans. And so some people thought that they might have gone to Nashville to see him in concert or that they maybe even were just like had left to go live like the Elvis Presley lifestyle. So <laughs> whatever that might be. Whatever that is. Yeah. So on January 19th, 1957, an official statement was actually released from Graceland. Um, it was a televised statement that read, if you are good if you are good Presley fans, you'll go home and ease your mother's worries. Um, 
Elvis Presley was also known to make a direct radio plea to the Grimes sisters, imploring them to return home to their mother. Obviously, that's not what happened. Uh, so now the so they perform an autopsy. The autopsy rules that the death was caused by shock and exposure. And their wounds were rep- were produced post mortem or post part yeah post mortem. For some reason, I wrote postpartum on here. Uh, uh <clears throat> post mortem by rodents. No, it's a terrible story. Uh, their clothing was never found. This part I hate. Um, I hate all of it, but I hate this one most. It was found that Barbara participated. So Barbara is the older sister. Yeah. Barbara participated in intercourse with no sign of force. And I wrote, seriously? Yeah, who knows? So there was a lot of speculation about what the girls were doing and that maybe they had gone along with this. And so maybe it was consensual sex and then something went awry. But I don't know. Uh... They thought that the girls' bodies, the autopsy uh, thought, or the statement released from the autopsy was that the girls' bodies had laid behind the guardrail for many days um, and concluded that the uh, they had been murdered within five hours of their last confirmed sighting, which was at the movie theater. Oh, wow. Um, that both girls had died of secondary shock, shock um, but numerous individuals attested to having seen the girls alive in the weeks between the night of December 28th and then when their bodies were discovered in January. Um, so despite the autopsy conclusions, the chief investigator for the Cook County Coroner's Office, Harry Gloss, disagreed with all of this. He disagreed with the official time of death, later stating to the media that there had been numerous marks of violence on those girls' faces strongly indicative of their being the, of them their being the recipients of violence as opposed to post-mortem rodent infestation. Uh, Gloss also contended that a thin layer of ice found encrusted upon the sisters' bodies indicated that they had most likely been alive until at least January 7th since only after that date there would have been sufficient snowfall to react with the girls' natural body heat in such a climate that thus and thus create the layer of ice discovered upon their nude bodies in this location uh he contended that um this fact proved that their bodies had been warm when their bodies had been deposited beside the german uh, church road since after uh december i'm sorry since after january 7th there had been sufficient snowfall so that would create the layer of ice upon around their bodies. In addition to that, he stated that both girls had been subjected to sexual assaults throughout their period of captivity, adding that the autopsy conducted upon Patricia Grimes had discovered semen within the vaginal flu- fluid swathed from her body, and that curdled milk had also been found in Barbara Grimes' stomach, when she is not known to have drunk milk at either her home or the cinema on the evening of December 28th. He also claimed that uh, official investigators had been refusing to disclose these and potentially other lurid details of the case due to a possible desire to protect the girls' reputations or spare their mother's feelings because there are many that had claimed that both girls had been um, in the habit of spending free time outside of the bars on uh, 36th Street and Archer Avenue, hmm. where they regularly pursued older men to pursue or to purchase alcoholic drink, drinks inside um, alcoholic drinks from the bars. So, this is kind of okay. So, um, this is crazy. So, this guy is the chief investigator for the coroner's office, and nobody wants to hear anything he has to say. So he refuses to retract his statement, and he's fired by coroner Walter E. McCarran on February 15th, 
Um, Gloss insisted that his firing was politically motivated. Nevertheless, uh, he would later be deputized by Sheriff Joseph Lohman, um, who concurred with Gloss's conviction that the girls had likely been beaten and tortured by a sexual Mm. predator. Um, But he had to, like, continue working the case without pay. What? Yeah. It's messed up. So they... The case, like, continues on. Now, I'm kind of going backwards a little bit. Um, but just to kind of, like, explain, like, how many people were involved or get an idea of how many people were involved and, like, how much information the police was getting. Because it's, you know, two young girls, two young white girls. Let's say it for what it is. Two young white girls in Chicago go missing. Their sisters... Their bodies are found naked on the side of the road. The city loses its mind. Yeah. They never investigated the father? No. But I think the father had, like, the family had alibis, like, from what I understand. So all of these people are contacting the police, and they're like, I saw them. I saw them. So here are all of the sightings of these girls during those 45 days when they were missing. Numerous people stated to investigators that they had seen the girls boarding a Chicago Transit Authority bus on Archer Avenue heading east into the city after the screening. For those who don't know, Archer Avenue is a major uh, road on the south side of the southwest side of the city. Yeah. Okay. Um, Those to report this sighting to the police included the bus driver. Oh, wow. Yeah. The sisters allegedly... um, Got off the bus on Western Avenue, approximately halfway between the theater and their home at approximately 11.05 p.m. Um, Why they got off there, unknown. A young man, here's another one. A young man named Roger Menard informed investigators that he had also attended the screening of Love Me Tender, having sat behind Barbara and Patricia and close to Dorothy Weinert. According to... um, She is a friend who also... Um, I don't I didn't note Dorothy um, Dorothy went to the police late, much later on um, saying that she sat behind them mm-hmm. and she saw them at the theater and the last time she saw them they were standing in line getting popcorn so she was somewhat of a witness uh, but she was like a friend of theirs but according to him he left the theater at approximately one minute before they did and the two girls had walked down Archer Avenue a short distance behind him for a, a, before a late model green Buick had stopped alongside them. The two girls hesitated before continuing um, to walk just past 42nd Street with the girls by his uh, with the girls by this stage walking ahead of him. A black 1949 Mercury occupied by two teenage boys pulled alongside them. Um, the girls continued or the girls giggled before continuing walking in the direction of home. So that's another report. Here's another one. Two teenage boys informed investigators that while they had been driving through McKinley Park at approximately 11.30 p.m. on December 28th, they had seen the sisters on 35th Street. Reportedly, the two had been giggling and jumping out of doorways at each other near Seeley and Damon Avenues with one youth exclaiming to the other that the two were those Grimes sisters as they passed them. At this point, the girls would have been approximately two blocks from their home. Oh, wow. Yeah. They almost been at home. According to that one. Um, A security guard later informed investigators that he had offered directions to two girls on the morning of December 28th, or I'm sorry, December 29th, approximately 12 hours after they had left the theater. This verbal exchange had allegedly occurred near Lawrence and Central Park Avenues. So that's, Lawrence and Central Park is now north, like way up north. Yeah. From where they were. North and west. I guess they were already west. That's like, yeah. Um, Franklin later concluded the girls had been the Grimes sisters, adding... The sole reason he had recalled this conversation was that both girls had been rude and abrupt to him. Hmm. On the same date, on that same date, a friend of Barbara's named Judy Burrow reported to investigators she had seen the sisters at approximately 2.30 p.m. walking westward on Archer Avenue, two blocks from Damon. 
so they lived near Damon Avenue. Uh, a classmate of Patricia was adamant she had seen Patricia walking past a restaurant that she had been inside early in the evening of December 29th. So the, again, this is the next day. Um, uh, Patricia had been in the company of two unidentified girls. The sighting was followed by another six hours later by a cashier at the Clark Theater in downtown Chicago who claimed she had seen both girls at 12.45 a.m. A railroad conductor reported seeing the two girls aboard a train near the Great Lakes Naval Training Center in a north suburb uh, wow, that's north of Glen Glenview. I've been there actually. I've been there too. That's north, north, north. That's really north. I thought Lawrence was going to be north enough. No, for that's like, like at least thirty minutes north <clears throat> of here. So everyone started losing their minds. So everybody was like, "I've seen them." There's another one where, um, uh, the Patricia was apparently too drunk or sick to walk without staggering, and uh was accompanied by um, one of the suspects whose name is Edward Bedwell. This location is five and a half miles uh, away from the theater. Um, there's another that said they were against on January 1st seen on a CTA bus on Damon. Um, the following week, a night clerk at the Unity Hotel on West 61st Street refused two girls a room because of their age, who and he believed that they were the sisters. Why didn't um, he say something to them? Who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? Okay. On January 3rd, three employees at the Inglewood Kres um, Kresge department store claimed to have seen both girls listening to music. Uh, they were listening to Elvis Presley. Um... On January 17th, a woman named Pearl Neville contacted investigators to say she had met both girls in a restroom on the way to Nashville. Um, uh, I'm skipping through some of this because it's just so much. On um, January 14th, the parents of a classmate of Patricia uh, received two separate anonymous telephone calls. During the first call, nobody on the other end spoke. Picking up the second phone call, um, the mother heard a frightened and depressed young female voice asking, is that, is that you, Sandra? Is Sandra there? Um, but then the call had been terminated. And uh, um, on January 19th, um, after the appeal from Elvis for the girls to return home, um, a girl called and said that she witnessed the sisters being forced into a car by a young male on the night of their disappearance. She provided a partial license number, um, but uh, nothing came of that. And there was also a letter written, but the letter was never, like, the author of the letter was never identified and the actual contents were never authenticated. So this is just some of it. And we hear these stories all the time, like, mm -hmm. with missing persons or, you know, cold cases where they get so many tips. Yeah. And they have to check into every single one of them. So you can only imagine, like, there was, like, everybody was calling in. Everybody had seen these girls. But nobody really knew what happened Do to them. Do we know what they look like? Um, yeah. They were... They're young white girls. They both had dark hair, short dark hair. Anything more? Like, anything specific about them? No, I'm just wondering. Like, if someone... If I if I went missing, like... They would include my eye color. Anything and, identifiable? Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen pictures of them, <laughs> and honestly, like... I don't know eye color. I think they both had, like darkish features they were kind of like you know pretty young white girls okay. um they both had like chin length hair okay. uh and from everything i read about them they were inseparable really close like just nice girls but there's all these speculations too that like they had been hanging outside of bars and hanging out with older guys and you know all of these things 
So, it's a lot of stuff, and uh, this is not ha doesn't have anything to do with ghosts, but I think it's kind of an interesting thing when, like, you and I have been talking about how we've been watching The Innocent Man on Netflix with, like, that has to do with police misconduct and um, wrong wrongful imprisonment, and we've all watched Making a Murderer, and that's like, you know, there's the Black Lives Matter movement where, you know, there's wrongful imprisonment and um, people or people being wrongfully accused or accosted when it's, you know, unnecessary. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening. So I think this is, it's interesting because it's reflective of what we're experiencing now, but it's also like the stuff has been happening for years where like there's just, you know, pe things are just mishandled. So they never yeah. found... The people who did the Grimes sisters' murder? No, I'm going to tell you about the the uh, suspects right now, but it's to this day unsolved. Interesting. Did they go to trial? No, nobody went to trial. Huh. So, um... Am I ruining your story? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. So the main suspect was a man named Edward Bedwell. He was a 21-year-old 20, drifter who was originally from Tennessee, uh, his family had recently been evicted from their home in East Garfield Park. Um, he was earning money as a part-time dishwasher at a Chicago Skid Row restaurant, um, to which I wrote, where's that? Like, I never heard that Chicago had a Skid Row. Do you, are you familiar? Yes. I don't know exactly where it is, but I knew, um... I don't know if it's up to this date, but there was a red light district and certainly a skid row. So that's what I thought if it was because later they it's references like West Madison. Yeah. So it's kind of like over. It's I, I, I'm familiar with that area. I'm trying to think of. I mean, it's this uh, probably the sex area. If you live in the sex area, it's skid row. So. Right. OK. So um, Edward Bedwell actually bore. Um, was tall and bore a strong resemblance to one Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. um, the the people who owned the restaurant that he worked at claimed that he and another young man were at their residence with two young girls who resembled the Grimes sisters early on the morning of December 30th. Bedwell, of course, insisted that... Um, his employers were mistaken in their identification. He was formally charged with the murders on January 27, 1957. He signed a 14 page confession stating that he and William Cole, but then he signed a 14 page confession stating that he and William Cole Willingham were in the company of the sisters on December 30th until January 7th. And they were typically drinking at West at West Madison Skid Row saloons. Um, he claimed after being in uh, the girls' willing company for days, they then fed the girls hot dogs, they beat them, and threw their bodies in a snow-filled ditch after the girls refused their sexual advances. Willingham uh, admitted he was in the company of Bedwell and uh, a couple of girls on December 30th, but he denied that it was the Grimes sisters and denied involvement in the murders. Bedwell eventually recanted his statement, claiming he had only confessed after being in the custody of police for four days. Wow. <laughs> God. Four days. <clears throat> Uh, the autopsy also confirmed that his non-involvement, as there weren't alcohol um, or hot dogs found in either girl's system, and they had actually not been beaten. Um, Bedwell was also working in Cicero during the time of their likely abduction. Um, he was eventually tried and acquitted uh, around the same time of year for the 1956 rape of a 13-year-old girl in Oak Hill, Florida. So still not a good dude. No. There's also Max Fleeg, uh, or Flag, I don't know. Uh, he was a 17-year-old at the time. He, um, so Illinois, I don't know if this is still the case. I think it is. At the time, um, there were laws for juveniles saying that they couldn't be submitted to polygraph 
testing. So he was exempt <clears throat> from it. Can I stop it. you for a second? Yeah. I'm going to say it has been proved that polygraph right. is unacceptable. Right. And so I would imagine in this day and age that, uh, yes, they were allowed to do polygraph. And if in 2018 someone asks you to do a polygraph, you need to tell them no. It is inadmissible science, and it has nothing to do with the truth. It has more to do with your biological uh, reactions to hard questions. Yeah. I mean, because if you're nervous, well, and if you go in nervous, you're going to have a negative result. Yeah, of course. Because you're you're so focused on telling the truth. It truly has only, thing, only to do with... Uh, it's heart rate, right? Heart, heart rate spiking in sweat. Yeah. So, well, but no, this is actually a good thing. So Illinois, at at least at the time, and I didn't look into um, if this is still the case, but I'm sure it is, they actually had a a law protecting juveniles from taking polygraphs. So Max Flagg was actually, um, he was cleared of having to take anything. Um, But the investigator... Uh, talked him into taking an unofficial polygraph test, which he agreed to do openly. But, and then during the polygraph, he confessed to the murders. But because of this law, they couldn't use it against, excuse me, they couldn't use it against him. Um, he, he also was later jailed for the murder of a young woman. So, also not good, uh, not a good dude. And then there was Walter Krantz, who was a 53-year-old steam fitter and self-proclaimed psychic. No. Walter phoned a switchboard operator at Chicago's Central Police Complaint Room, stating that both sisters were deceased and that their bodies could be found in Lyon Township, which is not far from where they were actually found. Um... But he didn't reveal his name, and he stated that he had um, experienced this revelation in a dream. Um, And then he hung up. The operator was actually able to trace his call, or trace the call close to his home, which would also be one mile from his home um, and from where the girls were found. So after multiple interrogations, though, they released him... (laughs) And turns out he was a psychic. Maybe not. Um, But, you know, that, but we hear that again too. Like, we hear that all the time where, like, kids go missing and somebody calls a family and it's like, I'm psychic and I saw your child or I saw your person here. And it's like, just leave them alone. Yes. Please leave these people alone. Unless you have actually something valuable to give. Um, So this became a cold case, unfortunately. And um, to this day, remains unsolved. Um, In 2013, a retired West Chicago police officer by the name of Raymond Johnson began a personal investigation. He actually started it because he was writing... um, 2016? This was in 2013. And he got wind of the case in 2010 because he was writing a book about Chicago and Chicago mystery, Chicago's mysteries, I think. Um, I didn't note it. So he actually became fascinated by the story. And so he has been called like the, or is considered by many to be the expert on the case. Um, so what he believes actually is that the perpetrator was a 23 year old self-confessed child killer by the name of Charles Leroy Melquist, um, who was a suspect in 1957. Melquist, had been convicted of the September 1958 murder of a 15-year-old girl named Bonnie Lee Scott. Um, Her decapitated body had been found two months after her disappearance, less than 10 miles from where the Grimes sisters' bodies had been discovered. Um, Following the discovery of of Scott's body, investigators had noted similarities in the murder and body disposal of that of the Grimes sisters. So... Malquist was questioned for the Grimes sisters' murders as well. Um, but his attorney forbade him 
to be subject to questioning and they just kind of like wash your hands of it because um, they were focusing so much on Bedwell and they had nothing on him. He so, totally had something to do with it. Sure. Here's what's even like this. It gets there's even more. So the day after the body of Bonnie Lee Scott's uh, Scott was discovered, Loretta Grimes, so the mother, received a phone call from an individual who uh, claimed responsibility for Scott's murder. Um, the caller stated, I've committed another perfect crime. This is another one of those cops won't solve, and they're no, not going really? to affix blame on Bedwell or Barry Cook. Barry Cook was another suspect. Um, this So uh, prior to this, Loretta Grimes had received several calls, and they had received a, um, a ransom note at one point as well. So she was adamant that it was the same person. And she kept saying, I'll never forget that voice. Charles Melquist was never charged um, with anything related to the Grimes sister's death, and he died in 2010. So. Wow. What really sucks is that <clears throat> this murder will probably remain unsolved. I mean... It, they could put it on him, but, like, you know, there will be really no justice to this. I'm going to solve it. Yeah. So, you're gonna, oh, you're going to solve it, I think. Was, so. No, 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 I'm going to solve it. Yeah. What, uh, tell me again, December 25th? December 28th. December 28th was when they went. 1956. 1956. They you went should, to go see Elvis. You should ask your mom. I don't know how, we don't want to give away your mother's age. But she was probably a young woman during when all this was happening. What was it, nineteen fifty six? Yeah. So she, she might would have been ten. So and she, she might not remember didn't like Elvis. She was very But she might remember like all the hubbub around the city and like I think she might people have. getting worked I'm up. I'm gonna about talk to her about it because I think we should solve this. I think this is bullshit. It's the terrible only problem within um the scope of the murder is my mother grew up in the far north side and this sounds like a south side thing but the whole city was involved i I have no doubt but i'm you know i mean it's kind of like well and here's what's crazy and i again didn't know this so i might get this a little bit wrong but around the same time or like not long after this or or before this is how i should have noted this there were two there was a similar murder with two boys that were brothers that were Mm. abducted and it was the same thing where they went to a movie they didn't come back and they were from the north side and they went downtown and they were to the movie they left with four dollars and they had kind of been seen um around the north side after the movie like they were seen at um a bowling alley on montrose and they were kind of like bouncing around and then they went missing and their naked bodies were found hmm like 10 days later or something like that. So a very similar situation. Um, so it could be like a serial killer thing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so so then when the girls went missing, like everybody was like up in arms over it. Yeah. And that's where like the whole thing of the loss of innocence of Chicago, which is kind of interesting when you think about it, where it's like Chicago has like such a checkered history. Yes. And it's like, this is what does it. But it's like these children, and it's very sad and tragic. Um, So we should talk about some ghost stuff. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's, like, a lot of resonant energy around this. And I'm sorry, this isn't, like, a really true ghost story, but I think it's a really fascinating story because it affects the people that lived nearby where the girls were found the most. So, of course, people think that that stretch of road which is um, German Church Road. Um, it's not Willow Springs. I'm going to make sure I'm getting the neighborhood right. Um, oh, it is Willow Springs. I'm sorry. So it's up by Willow Springs. Um, which, just a side note, like, if you're local to Chicago and you're listening to, like, the local traffic report, like, pe- they always reference Willow Springs because that's, like, entering the city. Yeah, it's like right do. there. You hear Willow. That's the only way I know Willow Springs because I hear it on the traffic report. So, um, of course, people call that the haunted highway, that stretch. Yeah. And people, you know, prairie ghosts, 
reference it as like this just like dark sad place (laughs) yeah which it is so um near where their bodies were found um there was a house set back and the driveway um is uh i think it is and it was um sectioned off by a chain Mm -hmm. is this uh disappearing no the house, soon after the girls were found, was abandoned. It was a young family that was living in the house. They picked up everything and they left. They left their belongings. They left a car. They left. So this is 1957. They left a, a lot of money. They left a 1955 Buick sitting in the driveway. So a two-year-old car. They're like, goodbye. We gotta go. And nobody quite knows why they left. Um, some, you know, there's of course a ton of speculation. Some people think that the wife um, went mad after all of this and had to be committed and the husband couldn't deal with it and he just left. Some people say that the husband um, had been interviewed and was suspected of being involved and he couldn't, he was cleared but couldn't handle the embarrassment so they just picked up their lives and left. Um, and then, of course, like, a lot of people speculate that the girls started haunting the house. So, um, but nobody knows. So, uh, and nobody knows what brought it on there. So, um, at some point, vandals actually set fire to the house. What? And it's since been demolished. Uh, now that's basically, like, some people say you can kind of see the foundation still. But the house is, like gone that's terrible um people will during this is i think really interesting they say that um during oh did i not put this in here don't worry oh here it is people see a tall (laughs) a tall gaunt man roaming around the property in the spring and fall so it's like when the brush is thin yes they can see him slender man the slender man He's got tentacles, yes, all the things, the all the Slender Man things. Um, but the other thing is that um, there's the ghost car of German Church Road. So people claim they hear the sound of a car pulling over, the motor running, the car door opening, followed by the sound of something being dumped alongside the road. Then the car door slams shut and the car drives away. But they never see the car. They only hear it, which is interesting because I, I think you talked about it in the last episode with Resident Energy. Like when we see it, it's like a video. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting for this that it's only audible. Yeah, I think you're right. It's very rare. It's very <clears throat> rare. So but it's a common occurrence because, of course, this place has become um it's like Bachelor's Grove. It's become that place yeah. where people want to go. They want to see it. So they want to go to the abandoned house. So it became that place where teenagers would go to spook themselves out. And then they'd hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. Others have claimed to actually see the girls' bodies as well. Nine. So it's a lot of just, like, really bad, bad, sad, negative energy no. there. Um, you guys stop. Go there and uh, light some sage and be nice. Yeah. But this, I think this also goes back to that conversation we were having in the last episode where it was like, if if they had found who did this, would these girls be released? Like, would that bad energy go away? Like, it's always yes. going to be a bad place. Yes, yes. you're right. You're but right. That, it, like, remains unsolved, and now, like, whoever did it is probably dead. And, like, um, their mother died in... Um, I think 1996, so she, like, died not knowing whatever happened to her children. Yeah. It's just all... Terrible. Awful. And I'm very sorry that we had another really sad episode. Um, But it's... I think it's a really fascinating story, um, especially because of, like, all of the ways things were mishandled. Yeah. Because when you think about it, like, these girls were preserved in the snow. Yeah. And so they had such an opportunity. to, And, I like, obviously, forensic science 
was not anywhere near it where it is today. So they couldn't have like collected DNA and done all that stuff in 1957. But they could have gotten footprints. They could have like there's so many things that they could have gotten. But instead, they had 160 plus people trampling in the snow all around, and it just like it, it it's just it's unbelievable that they're like go 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 check it out collect what you can everybody got their baggie <clears throat> yeah it's <sighs> so that is the tragic story of the Grimes sisters um, this is one of those places where if you want to travel and, and, and see nobody lives there so you're not you know uh, disrupting anybody or invading anyone's privacy I guess um, but I think that that area is still private property and it is roped off. Do the address again? I, I don't. So I know what I, um, I don't have the exact address. It's German Church Road in Willow Springs, Illinois. Gotcha. It's like a rural <laughs> county highway, basically, or county road. So, um, yeah, I thought that was going to take a lot longer, but I kind of zipped through it because it's hard to talk about. No, you're great. Yeah, um, you're right on time. So if you, um, yeah, but kind of like talking about miscarriage of justice and things, and I, this is my strong opinion, and I know we try to be apolitical here. Um, I think um, our people in law enforcement and uh, um the justice system are doing a, a fine job and doing what they can, but I think sometimes there are some bad eggs or sometimes people want to rush through things quickly. And we need to make sure that we're, you know, doing what's best for the family with these people that are affected. But that all said, watch The Innocent Man on mm -hmm. Netflix. Uh, get a little fresh, frustrated and aggravated and then do something about it. Agreed. Call your people. Thanks, Dora. Yeah. I appreciate that story. Yeah. You did a really good job. It sucks. It's a sucky story. It is. Uh, I don't mean in, in a bad way. I just mean, mm -hmm. like, it's very painful. We're going to call your mom after this and be like, what do you know? We're, she doesn't know anything. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. My name is Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is... Noelle Schmidt. That's right. You've been listening to a show called oh. High Spirits. In which we drink alcohol and we talk about ghosts. Uh, Noelle, who are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a Matchbook Syrah. Light up your red. Matchbook Syrah. Yeah, yeah. I'm drinking Gone Away. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. I'm drinking Gone Away, <laughs> and uh, it's by Half Acre, and uh, I like it. It's a it's, good time. Yeah. Um, what kind of a beer is that? It is an IPA. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, we can do this without you. We thank you for being there for us. Uh, you can reach us at highspiritschicago at gmail.com. You can reach us uh, on Facebook. You can reach us on Twitter, highspiritschic. You can reach us on um, uh, Instagram. Did you Instagram. say that? Nope, I have not yet. Okay. Hey guys, uh, we do it for the love of it, but if, <laughs> if there are any sponsors out there, booze sponsors, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> uh, long story short, my friend Noelle is here to say maybe one of the worst things you've ever heard in your life, and it is... Sweet dreams.